Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Group Leaders Podcast for week three of the series Moving Mountains. I'm your host, Roy McMillan, and I hope and pray that each of your groups has been enjoying the series as much as my group has. As we have been looking at the subject of prayer, we have seen the importance of calling on the name of the Lord in prayer and the importance of having faith without doubt when it comes to prayers that move mountains. We have examined three important points that are necessary for us to be able to pray mountain-moving prayers. The power of partnership, or coming into agreement with others and with the heart and will of God in prayer. The power of profession, or the importance of the words we speak and the motives behind those words. And the power of preparation, or lining our hearts and our lives with the heart of Jesus by confessing our sins, offering forgiveness to those who have hurt or wronged us, being humble before God, and submitting to the will of God. This week we focus on a subject that is more difficult, unanswered prayer. More specifically, we will look at the effect unanswered prayer can have on us and how we should deal with that. We will look at what it's like to be in the valley of trouble, to be in that place where God seems far away, that place of despair, disappointment, and doubt. I'm sure every one of us has been in that place at least once in our lives. Some may even be in that place right now. For some, this is going to be a tough topic, but I'm believing that God will use this week's sermon and this week's group discussions to bring those who find themselves in the valley of trouble into the gateway of hope. Let's get into the study guide. This week, there is no icebreaker question. I wanted to make sure that there was adequate time to look at the rest of the questions in groups. So this week, we will begin with the reflecting on the sermon question. Share with the group one thing from this week's sermon that really stood out or spoke to you. This question will serve as the way to get this discussion going in lieu of an actual icebreaker. Have the group share briefly about the one thing that stood out to them, but don't linger on this unless the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do so, or you see an opportunity to minister to someone in the group who is struggling and needs prayer. Otherwise, give this maybe 10 to 15 minutes, then move into the main portion of the study guide. The focus of both the message and this study comes out of Hosea Chapter 2, verse 15, which says, I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. The idea is that God wants to take us from the valleys we may find ourselves in and bring us to a place of hope. The study guide is broken into two sections labeled from the valley of trouble and into the gateway of hope. In the first section, the questions are focused on looking at what the valleys look like and how we react when we are in the valleys. The questions in the second section are focused on moving from those valleys to the place of hope and what successes we have seen in our lives with this. The questions in this study are all personal reflection and application, and you may find it hard to get through all of them. Since the questions in the first section focus on being in the valley, they could lead to an atmosphere of heaviness in the group. 
For this reason, I encourage you as you facilitate to make sure to get to at least one of the questions in the second section as these focus on getting, it, getting to the gateway of hope. So let's look at the first section, from the Valley of Trouble. We know that prayer can move mountains, but sometimes, for reasons that God alone knows, our prayers may seem to go unanswered. Unanswered prayer can shake our faith and lead us into the valley. What is the valley? The valley could be disappointment, bitterness, hopelessness, or doubt. It could be one of these things, or it could be all of these things. It could be other things as well. No matter how we define the valley, all of these things can create distance. They can lead us to they can lead to us disconnecting from God or from others. We begin our discussion with two questions asking us to share about the valleys we have experienced in our lives. The first question asks, have you ever been in a valley? If so, what valley were you in? Encourage the group to define the valley they found themselves in and what it felt like to be in that valley. Since the next question ties into the first, they should probably be asked together. The second question asks, did the valley you were in cause you to disconnect from God? If so, in what ways did you disconnect? When I think about the valleys I have been in throughout my life, one that comes to mind has to do with my youngest daughter, who my wife Linda and I adopted when she was eight years old. Throughout her life, she has dealt with emotional issues related to trauma experienced early in her life, and this led to many problems, including drug addiction. Linda and I prayed for a breakthrough for our daughter. We prayed that God would remove the pain and the addiction from her, and yet, despite our prayers, we saw one relapse after another. Despite the fact that I believed that God could answer our prayers, we were not seeing the answers, and I began to experience doubt and hopelessness. I was in a valley. The valley that I was in caused me to disconnect from God. Although I still believed that God existed and that he sacrificed his son for our salvation, my faith in prayer was shaken, and this caused me to pull back from ministries I was involved in. It's important to realize that these questions may be tough questions for some to answer, especially if they are in the valley right now. As the members of your group share on this question, be sure to really listen. And if someone is struggling, show empathy and provide encouragement. Be sure to allow that person to tell their story and don't try to offer advice or allow others to do so. The best thing that we as leaders can do for that person is to listen, encourage, and pray with him or her. Let the Holy Spirit guide you as you facilitate the discussion around these questions. For the next question, have someone in the group read Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. In this passage, we see that the father of the demon-possessed boy was desperate. His son had been under the influence of this demon for a long time, and the demon had more than once tried to kill the boy by throwing him into fire or water. The fact that the boy was alive 
would indicate that the father had likely, in his own strength, done whatever he could to save the boy's life. But now he was desperate. He wanted to believe that Jesus could help the boy, but because he had already asked Jesus' disciples to help, and they were unable to, the man struggled to believe that Jesus could do anything, as he said, Have mercy on us and help us, if you can. The question here tells us to share about a time when we have struggled to believe that God could do something in our lives. As I mentioned earlier in the situation with my daughter, I had come to the point of struggling to believe that God could do something to help. Like the father of the demon-possessed boy, my wife and I did everything we could in our own strength. We paid for expensive programs and found that none of these things did what we now know only God could do. But if I'm honest, I have to say that I struggled to believe that God could do anything. As with the earlier questions, it's important to realize that this may also be a tough question for some to answer, especially for those who are currently experiencing unbelief. Use active listening here. Show empathy and encourage those who may be struggling. Pray with those who are struggling and take your cues from the Holy Spirit as you facilitate the discussion. After the father of the demon-possessed boy asked Jesus to help if he can, Jesus' response to the desperate man was to say, If I can, anything is possible for those who believe. The man then said to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This man was in the valley of doubt, but his response shows us that instead of just choosing to remain there, he invited Jesus into his valley, asking Jesus to help him overcome that valley. The question here asks, have you ever invited Jesus into your valley? If so, what happened as a result? In my story, my wife and I came to a point where we knew that we could no longer do anything in our own strength to help our daughter move away from her addiction. We knew that only God could help. And although I was struggling to believe that God could or would answer the prayer to help our daughter, I invited Jesus into the valley, put everything in his hands, and I asked him to help me to overcome the valley of doubt. When you think about it, we invite Jesus into our successes. We invite him into our celebrations. But do we invite him into our valleys? The Jesus who loves us so much that he died for our sins, the Jesus who can heal sickness, is also the Jesus who can lift us out of the valleys that we find ourselves in. But we need to invite him into those valleys. This question may result in more positive responses, especially for those who have invited Jesus into their valleys. And for those who are struggling, looking at the idea of inviting Jesus into their valleys may help them to change their perspective and begin to allow him to and begin to allow him to lead them to the gateway of hope. Well, that brings us to the next section, into the gateway of hope. As I mentioned earlier, I encourage you to try to have your group get to at least one of the questions in this section, as this should help to conclude your group time on a positive note before you move into your prayer time. For the first question here, 
have one or more of your group members read Psalm 77. One-third of the Psalms were written by people who were hurting, people who found themselves in the valley. In this Psalm, Asaph begins from a valley of despair, but when we get to verses 10 to 11, we see a turning point as Asaph's perspective begins to change. He moves from looking at the circumstances to looking at the Lord. When we look at the Lord by faith, our circumstances may not change, but we do. We move from the valley of trouble to the gateway of hope. The question here is, when you find yourself in the valley of trouble, what are some of the things you can focus on to change your perspective and move into the gateway of hope? For me, one of the things I can focus on to change my perspective is the examples of God's faithfulness that I have seen in the past. I have seen God work miracles in my life, bringing a quick healing from pneumonia, helping us to get out of bad debt, and restoring my marriage. When I think of the things that God has done in my life in the past, I'm reminded of his love, his faithfulness, and his ability to do more than I can possibly ask or imagine. That changes my perspective. In the situation with my daughter, looking at God from that perspective helps me to believe that he can bring my daughter out of the bondage of her addictions. The next question begins by looking at Psalm 139, verses 7 to 8. Have someone in the group read those verses. God's presence is with us no matter where we are. That means that God is at the same distance from us in the valley as he is when we are on the mountaintop. Our question here is, how does knowing this help you to move from the valley of trouble into the gateway of hope? When we find ourselves in a valley, it's easy to feel that God is far away. But as we see in these verses from Psalm 139, that is not true. The distance that we sense between us and God is not because God has moved away from us, but because we have allowed ourselves spiritually to move away from Him. He is always there, whether we are in a valley or on a mountaintop. For me, knowing that God is there with me in that valley gives me assurance that he can and will come alongside me to help me move out of that valley into the gateway of hope. For the last question, have someone read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 to 18. Paul encourages us here to never give up praying, no matter what our circumstances are. If we are to move from the valley of trouble to the gateway of hope, we must take a posture of faith. We need to come to the Lord in prayer. When we continue to pray despite the circumstances, we reconnect with God and allow Him to change our perspective. The last question is, share with the group when you have been successful at praying in the valley. What helped you to do that? In my life, I have found that when, rather than allowing myself to wallow in the muck of the valley I'm in, I focus on exercising faith by praying despite the circumstances, I begin to see things through the lens of God 
rather than my own lens. Our own lens doesn't give us the complete picture. If you have a telescope and you look through the wrong end, the view that you see is small and narrow. You're looking at things through the wrong lens. But when you look through the right end, the view is much bigger. You see the big picture because you are looking at things through the right lens. That's what it's like when we look at the valley through the right lens, through God's lens, rather than our own. For me, when it is hard to pray despite the circumstances, I need to exercise one of the things we talked about last week, the power of partnership. When I find someone to come alongside me and agree with me in prayer, it helps me to pray in the valley. Well, that's it for this week's study guide. Because of the nature of the message and discussion this week, I encourage you to make sure you leave sufficient time for prayer at the end of your group time. Be sure to pray with and for those whom this, for whom this has been a struggle, and especially for those who find themselves in a valley right now. Before I close in prayer, I'd like to share a tip from the Essential Guide for Small Group Leaders on dealing with negativity in your group. Negativity can come in the form of complaints about the church, complaints about the government of our country, or a variety of other things. Negativity can hamper the development of community in a group and can create an atmosphere that may cause some to leave the group. Some ways to deal with complaints and negative talk in a group are, number one, make a list. As a group, create a list of all the things you're grateful for. It's hard to complain when you focus on the good things. Number two, find solutions. If you keep hearing the same complaints, brainstorm as a group some solutions to the problem. Keep in mind that one solution may be to accept the situation and ask God for peace. Number three, pray. When someone is complaining or speaking negatively, stop what you're doing and ask that person to lead the group in prayer for the issue, turning it over to God. And four, confront. Call out the complaint for what it is, then ask the group to move forward on more productive discussion. Be guided by the Holy Spirit here. Rather than calling it out in the group, it may sometimes be better to speak to the complainer privately. That brings us to the end of this week's podcast. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for these leaders and for their groups. I pray that as they go through this challenging but important study and discussion this week, you will be with them, guiding the conversation comforting those who are hurting, and providing strength and encouragement for those in the midst of a valley. I pray that you will bless their group times and that they will continue to grow in community with each other. Most of all, I pray that in all of this, you will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great time in group this week. As always, reach out to me if you have any questions or concerns. I would love to hear how your groups are going, so if you have the opportunity, please send me an email and let me know. God bless.